Well, today I'm excited to welcome Amy Lucan, Chief Joyologist for Tito's Vodka to the FIA Market Voice podcast. Amy's a frequent speaker and leading expert on finding ways to increase work satisfaction and productivity by creating a culture of giving back. In a recent article in The Atlantic entitled, Is Altruism the Key to Happiness at Work? The magazine interviews Amy about this joyology philosophy that she has developed over her career. And as you can tell by our common last name, she is also my first cousin and her late father, Walt, and my late father, Wayne, were brothers, God rest their souls. And Uncle Walt was also obviously my namesake. So Amy, I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome to our podcast. Good morning, Walt. And can I call you Lil Walt on this show <laughs> since you were named after my dad? Little Walt. Yes, yes. As, as I say, I, I prefer young Walt, but little Walt, uh, you know, I'll take it. I'll take well, it. Well, I've shortened it to Lil, L-I-L. So we'll we'll go with just Walt today. That's right. How are you? That's good. That's good. Yeah. And maybe Lil Wayne, my dad, you know, the OG Lil Wayne. <laughs> so um, the rapper, uh, Lucan family. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. well, Amy, I, I think you know, when people hear chief joyologist, they, they want, they often say, I want that job because that sounds amazing. Um, and so I want to talk about sort of how the philosophy that you came to, to develop over your career. You've worked for several fortune 500 companies. You've worked with Gallup, uh, interface uh, throughout your career. Uh, now find yourself at Tito's, but tell the audience a bit about joyology um, and how. What was your path to coming to this this philosophy? Yeah, so um, you know, most people think I just go around handing out free booze, and that's what a joyologist does. Uh, that's maybe one of my tricks, but really, I think Walt, if you go back probably 16, 17 years ago. Um, I was working at a Fortune 500 company in the textile business, um, and I was—I laugh and say I was climbing the grease, greased pole of corporate America, and I made it to the very top, uh, one of the first female vice presidents of that company. And despite our success in in the industry, I realized that there was just something missing uh, about our business model, and so I looked out, um, and I was realizing that that all of our focus was just on the bottom line, on numbers. Um, and we were not focusing on the asset that got us to those numbers. And so uh, I quickly realized at the top that our greatest asset was our people. And so I said, okay, how do we then look at our people and raise that asset up and develop them? And so it led me on this path of discovery um, that you know, it's a very simple concept. If you take care of your people, your people will take care of the business. Um, and so most, I'm kind of going through this, but most cultures um, really focus on uh, what's wrong with us, you know, fix the weakness, so to speak, like a deficit remediation culture. And rarely do we look at what's good with people uh, and start there with a the foundation. I mean, even the sciences from neurology, cardiology, psychology, it's the study of, you know, how can we fix what's wrong either with the brain, with the heart, et cetera. So joyology really started with um, the study of love, uh, which is not typically a word that we use in corporate America. So the study of love, joy, and then bringing out the good in people and starting there with them. So um, that's kind of the path it started. Uh, and I eventually became uh, the joyologist at my previous company, and I began growing the greatest asset, our people, 
And once we started growing them, uh, the bottom line started growing. So there you have it. That's kind of the story of joyology and how it came to be. So it's basically the philosophy of um, all things that's good uh, about people and helping them find their own personal joy. So when you, you focus on people's strengths and what bring them joy, have you found that that has made also the bottom line more productive and people happier and, um, you know, to be at work, um, you know, through that giving back? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I saw years ago in California a billboard that said happy cows make happy milk. And it was just like, wow, it's that simple, right? So I think if we do a, our job uh, as companies, organizations with, you know, starting out the foundation, taking care of our people, not just giving them a decent wage, but a good wage, um, you know, good health care. If you can do a 401k, everybody deserves to save money for the future. That's the foundation of taking care of the people. But after that, what we found was everybody wants meaning and purpose in their life, all of us. And so how do we as an organization help our employees find more meaning and purpose? And what we discovered was it's it's getting out of ourselves and giving to others. And so that um, it, it also creates a, a great deal of gratitude uh, within people. So that's just a, a little trick we've tried. And yeah, it does it absolutely help the bottom line. Well, one of the early uh, influences in your career was Ray Anderson with Interface. And, um, yeah. you know, I got to cross paths with him when I was at the New York Stock Exchange and he was on corporate responsibility tours talking about giving back about the environment. And he had really figured out in his mind, even though he was a, a carpet maker, I mean, that he wanted to make sure that the planet was in a better spot. Was that sort of the kernel of some of your early days of thinking about this, of giving back to corporates, corporations giving back and making people happy? Yeah, that's actually where it started. So Ray was on a mission to save the planet. And so my area of responsibility were the people uh, within that industry. So it was a combination. We were we were developing our people, taking care of our people and taking care of the planet. So that's that's actually where it started. And let, let's talk about Tito, because he has really um, taken this philosophy of yours and applied, applied it to his his company. And um, and everybody knows about Tito's vodka. But tell us the story of Tino Be Tito Beverage and and his how he got to be where he is and how he's adopted this philosophy for his employees. You know, I think it's probably one of the greatest uh, all-American stories. I like to say it's kind of a David and Goliath. Um, and the brand was really built on failure, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, he was originally a, uh, or he is a geologist, a geophysicist. Um, so that's, you know, the first part of his career was in the oil business, running seismic crews down in Latin America. Um, and then the um, oil oil prices tanked, and uh, he went out of the business uh, in the in the uh, geology business. Kind of his job in the mortgage business because he was good with math, uh, and then the um, interest rates uh, soared, and so he crashed and went out of the mortgage business. So, uh, in between the the oil business and the mortgage business, he was always making infused vodka for his friends on the side, and so uh, one thing led to another, and he became the vodka guy. Uh, he was known as that, so he thought, well, let's try this out. Um, bought a a piece of land in rural rural Austin, um, built a, you know, a, just a tiny shack, uh, looked at a 
picture in the um, went to the library and found an old uh, still that was broken down. I think it was busted up in Tennessee or somewhere and copied a um, hand pot still. And so that's how we started was in a little shack way out in the middle of nowhere outside of Austin. Um, Built his business uh, on 19 credit cards and went into $90,000 of debt. And so this guy would not let go. His friends, his family, everybody said, you've just got to give this up. You got to give it up. And he wouldn't quit. And so he fought the Texas laws, the feds, because there was no you know, distillery in Texas. Um, and uh, he kept going. And so you know, two decades later, here we are with one of the um, cleanest, uh, most well-known vodkas on the planet. So we're having a good time. But I think... Um, with with how we applied what I learned before at this company, um, he had been giving away, you know, back in probably 97, he was invited to one of his first charity events and uh, they invited to come down and he brought a, you know, a few bottles of Tito's and he started giving it away. Um, and at the end of the night, everybody was coming up to him at this charity event and hugging him and thanking him and crying um, for his time and for his vodka. And um, he thought, you know what? This feels good. I'm doing good. They're doing good. And they get to try my vodka. And he's, you know, he would tell everybody at the party, if you like my vodka, tell 20 of your friends. And so that's kind of how the, the giving started. So right. we were giving away free vodka for a couple of decades. But then in 2015, when I came over here, um, he said, let's, let's put together a, a formal, you know, philanthropy program. And so I said, all right. I said, well, you know, which charities do you want to give to? And he said, oh, no, no. He said, um, I, I want to give all, I, I don't want to give it to them all. I don't want to just, you know, single them out. And I said, well, all right, you're doing a couple hundred charity events now. And I said, um, how do you want to do this? And he said, well, he said, let's try out an experiment. He said, let's see if we put more love out into the world, into the communities, Will it actually come back to us? And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a publicly traded company. I thought, right. well, how are we going to do this, Tito? And he said, I'll tell you how we're going to do it. He said, let's flatten the marketing budget and let's triple the philanthropy budget. Hmm. And let's just turn up the volume on, on this love and see what happens. So we, we went from a couple hundred charity events to now doing over 10,000 charity events a year. And so it's it's kind of a unique unique culture. Um, I'll stop right there if you have any questions. But it's you know does does everybody does everybody get a budget on this? I mean, it, does each employee have some say in where they spend their money? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that's actually the the secret ingredient is we really wanted the employees to choose in their local communities who. Um, means something to them, what's important in their lives. So Tito said, find your passion and wrap a Tito's label around it. Um, so we allow the employees to, to select the charities. Uh, we allow them to give away as much free vodka to their fundraisers as they want. They also have what's called the joy bucket. So they each have a little pot of gold that they can help their uh, nonprofits help raise the money. And then, you know, we'll, we'll support them in that. So <clears throat> yeah, we've got a We've got the joy budget. Everybody's got that. They get to give away the money. And, and really, it, it's called the double give. So Tito gives us the money so that we can give to the charity. 
so then that we get to feel, you know, honored and grateful. They're hugging us and, and crying. So it's, it's really kind of a, it's a unique model because the employee feels very um, grateful and they get to, you know, be more active in the community. Do you think that this is like something scalable for other businesses? I mean, have you, do you have you seen others to look at your model and, and try to emulate that? Or is there something unique? I mean, Tito sounds like an amazing employer. Um, is there something unique to the Tito's culture? You know what? I think it's, uh, yes, it's scalable. I, I believe it is. Um, I, you know, I always believe anything's possible if you put your mind to it. Um, I, I think with us, how we did it was starting small. You know, you don't have to have a lot of money to do this. Uh, it, it was starting small, giving in-kind donation. <clears throat> and then the next thing was we went into matching programs, meaning they had their joy budget so they could help the nonprofit, whichever that is, uh, to fundraise. And then the next piece was stirring in a little, another ingredient, which is called, um, we have it, it's called 20 or more rule. So anytime 20 or more of us gather together for a meeting, whether it's a local meeting, regional meeting, um, national meeting, it's our honor to, to do a physical service project. So at any given time, we're out in the field. We've probably got a couple hundred service projects going on, you know, every week so that our employees are not just giving, you know, free vodka or Tito's money, but they're actually getting, getting into the community and doing the work. So I think when you, and, and that's active, Walt, throughout the entire company. I mean, the, the giving is not just, you know, charity events. It's it's built in. It's baked into the business model. So every single sales program, marketing program is all around taking care of the community. And we've got a little, uh, if you ever come to Austin, we've got a great retail store downtown. We don't sell any Tito's Vodka. It's just our swag. But um, the profits go back to uh, the community and, and nonprofits nationwide. So it's really, you know, everything from the distillery to the bottling is, is about taking care of the communities. So uh, Tito, Tito laughs and said, Amy, we used to be a vodka company that does events. He said, now we're a philanthropic company that does events and sells vodka on the side. <laughs> so it's, it's a unique little culture. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's huge now, Tito's. I mean, I, I know a few years ago when I was, I'd seen it in Texas and um, my sister lives in Texas as well, Nancy, who you know well. Um, yeah. And I'd see it there, but all of a sudden I'm on a United flight to to China or something and all of a sudden Tito's is being served. I'm like, shit, they've made it. You know, they've, yeah. they're really, they're big. They're big time now. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So, um, well, in, in, is there ways that you guys measure this with employees or is it, you know, you know, when you see it, that you see that they're they're happy and how, how do you guys measure um, whether this is working or not? You know, again, my background coming from a publicly traded company, we did a lot of, you know, employee engagement, surveys and measurement. And what I love about Tito's, it's just it's so laid back that there's no hardcore measurement and it, it's measured in. I'm going to tell you emotions. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I say that, um, you know, we've got some hardcore liquor salesmen that I will get phone calls all hours of the day and night, not about, uh, you know, their sales of the day or their profits or anything else. I will get calls and, and big dudes calling in tears, crying about, you know, they just left the children's hospital and what they were able to do for the kids and this and that. Yep. 
So it's measured in things like that, that their life has changed. You know, they all of a sudden have meaning and purpose while they're at work. Um, you know, I think uh, another measurement might be that people really don't leave the company. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's a whole nother deal on its own. So um, if we talk about employee engagement, I would think this is probably the best one I've ever seen. Uh, and it's just building that culture of, of love, joy and giving back. Hey, I did want to talk, and we—I uh, said this at the beginning about our dads, and um, you know, Father's Day is around the corner, and so's Mother's Day, and um, you know, I—I I still have learned so much about um, you know how I live my life through my parents and and your wonderful parents, but just reflecting back, what was your favorite thing about uh, you know my dad and your dad, and what 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 of their attributes still you you think about today? You know, I'm going to I'm going to tell a memory uh, and I, I bet you you're going to know which one I'm going to tell. I just <laughs> it, it was it was the last time I think that we were all together um, and it, we were hunting in South Dakota um, and we had been hunting for a few days and we're driving back after the trip to the airport. You remember, yep. you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> I don't. <Yeah. laughs> I totally know. Okay. So. All right. So your dad is driving. I think we're in a van and your dad is driving. And my dad is in the passenger seat and you and I are sitting right behind them. And all of a sudden your dad whips out this comb from his back pocket <laughs> and starts combing his hair while he's driving. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking at your dad. I'm like, you know, we've got a few hundred miles left from the trip. I'm like, who's he getting ready for? But it was such a generational move, right? To pull yeah. that comb out. And he looks over at my dad and my dad looks at your dad and Walt goes, Wayne, you've got great hair. And then your dad goes, oh, no, Walt. Yeah, they're two great Norwegian dudes, right? How tall they were. Maybe in their late 60s, 70s. And all of a sudden, your dad goes, oh, no, Walt. You're the one with great hair. Oh, no. <laughs> and they're going back and forth. And you and I start grinning and giggling. And I thought, you know what? What I loved about that memory is they were just so sweet and kind and fond of each other they had a yeah. great time together as brothers right yeah um but i think you know if i look at our parents and, and maybe all of them but especially our dads um they had an uncanny knack of relating with people they built yeah. relationships quickly with other people and i think it was by their ability to ask great questions yeah. to the other person they were always interested in the other person and they always honored that other person and made them feel so important. And I, yeah. you know, and I look back at that. And I hope I have. <laughs> yeah, you do have those those attributes. Yeah. <laughs> and you have my mom's cry both crying do. abilities, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's come with with age, I think, yeah. all of a sudden. But I just I admire, you know, if you think about that, you you have that as well. To yeah. ask great questions and you're always interested in that other person and i think that's yeah. important today yeah what about you do you have a, do you have a comb in your back pocket walt and what did I you take don't, away from that i don't um but it's my memory is the same one they loved their hair i don't know what it was about <laughs> these guys but they loved and amy it wasn't just when they were in their 60s and 70s I, my dad served in world war ii and he wrote his mother and his brother and, and sisters letters 
I bet there are 300 letters that he wrote to them during his time in overseas. I would say at least 50 to 60% of those letters talked about combs and hair and uh, can you send me more combs? <laughs> I ran out of combs. So he, he was obsessed with combs at an early age. I don't know. But um, you're uh, right. They were both incredibly kind people. They listened to people. My dad, we would laugh. Uh, my wife would laugh because he'd get on the phone. He'd say, tell me everything, you know, and that was his way. <laughs> and so he just wanted to, he was curious. He wanted to know what was up. And your dad was the same. And those Saturday morning World War II yeah. gatherings where they'd sit on the porch and drink coffee and you know, at that time I was a government official and they, they, I felt like the president of the United States coming and talking to them about Washington and, but we they were just curious. Were. Yeah. Right. They were just curious, great people. And I miss them dearly. And hopefully I have a few attributes that carry on from, from them. Um, they're amazing. Well, we're, we're so darn proud of you, Walt. So you've done so much and I see your dad in you right now looking at you. So it's a, uh, what a, what a, pleasure and fun thing to, to talk yeah. to you. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the FIA Market Voice podcast. And uh, maybe next time we'll get Tito on and talk about the origins He'd love of, it. of vodka. <laughs> he would love it. So <clears throat> thank you again for having me and I uh, wish you all the best. All right, Amy, you're the best. Love you and talk soon. Love you, Walt. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide investment, tax, business, legal, or professional advice to any individual or entity. Unless specifically stated otherwise, neither FIA nor its members endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, opinion, product, process, service, individual, or entity presented or mentioned in this podcast. FIA makes no representations, warranties, or guarantees as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the podcast content. Reliance on the podcast contents is done at your own risk. FIA disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special of consequential damages arising out of any use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or its contents. Any commercial use, resale, or redistribution of this podcast without the FIA's express written consent is prohibited. Copyright 2022 FIA, all rights reserved. For more information, visit FIA.org.